Hello again, everybody. My name is Mike Petralia. It is episode 230 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network, www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media, on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. Speaking of clnsmedia.com, the all-new CLNS Media website has launched at clnsmedia.com. That is the location now and the home of this podcast and over 40 other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We are so excited to have our show featured on the brand new CLNS Media website. Support the network by checking out this episode at clnsmedia.com. My pleasure to welcome back to Patriots Beat one of uh, my favorites on the uh, New England Patriots beat. He works for NBC Sports Boston. He is the uh, author of the weekly Phil Perry report card. Let me bring in Tom Curran. I'm just joking there. So that's that's what you get for making me wait to do this podcast. I deserve that. I deserve that. But you know what? If Tom Curran were to do the report card, it would be all over the map because his grades would all be entirely based on whether or not he had been fed in the last 30 minutes before writing it. So if he was hungry, it would be D's and F's for everybody. If he just had a burger, it might be A's, but he also might not get through it because he'd need to take a nap about 20 minutes later. So that's what you get with Karn. You're not getting that with me. We're finishing strong. We're trying to be fair. Trags, you know that. You know yep. me. Trying to be fair with all the grades this week. Pretty good grades for those uh, those Patriots after that Titans game, though, huh? Yeah, and uh, I I can vouch for you on the uh, uh, Tom Curran anecdote there because I have seen him uh, on the red level of the press box. For those uh, wondering what we're talking about, the red level is where they feed the media. One level up is where most of us uh, writers and uh, media types sit to watch the game. That would be the blue level. But uh, Tom is usually down there. Um, carousing around the uh, food, especially post-game. He stays very late, Phil, to uh, work very hard on his columns, which are very well read, as are yours. Let's get right to it. This is AFC Championship uh, week uh, leading up to the Patriots and Jaguars, 3.05 on um, Sunday afternoon at Gillette Stadium. First of all, um, I want to get your uh, read, uh, as you mentioned yourself, on uh, how the Patriots look coming into this game based on the way they handled another AFC South team in the Titans on Saturday night. Yeah, I thought really, Trags, going into that game against the Titans, that there weren't going to be a boatload of legitimate takeaways for us to dissect. Just because the Titans, and I think most of us thought this going into the game, They're just not really on the same level as the Patriots, and I think that played out on Saturday. This was the varsity versus the JV, essentially. Pretty much. The one takeaway that I was really interested in gathering in terms of post-game was, and during the game, obviously, but just how did the quarterback look? I mean, the guy has, for the last month, you know, maybe five weeks of the regular season, not really produced for, you know, as up to the standard that he had set for himself earlier in the year. And so was he hurt? Was he just 40 years old and slowing down? Was it the fact that some of his weapons were missing, whether it was James White or Chris Hogan at the end of the year, Rex Burkhead as well? What was it about Tom Brady's game 
that had him producing like a relatively middle-of-the-road type of quarterback. The fact that he performed as he did, the fact that he performed um, you know, in sort of like a vintage Tom Brady manner, uh, I think was an indication that we can kind of pump the brakes on, on some of those concerns, whether it was just the rest that he had before going into the game, whether it was having some of those guys back. You obviously had James White, who had a big game, Chris Hogan, who didn't produce as much, uh, but may have just given him a, a greater sense of security out there. Um, whatever it was, he looked about as good as he's looked all season long. And so for, for me, that was the one big takeaway was that Tom Brady's still Tom Brady. Uh, you know, let's not go overboard with the, you know, uh, is this the beginning of the end kind of storylines. I think he put those to bed at least for one week. You know, I, I would agree with that, Phil, but I would tell you, watching that first quarter, the first two offensive series, he he still didn't look like himself. He was getting rushed. Uh, I thought the Titans did a very good job, at least early on, uh, of throwing some pressure at him, bringing um, five guys. Uh, you know, obviously Dick LeBeau was going to blitz uh, or, you know, bring pressure packages a little bit more than maybe some other type of uh, – uh, defensive fronts. Uh, he's going to throw some exotic looks, or try to anyway, uh, out of his own base uh, at Brady. And and I thought the first two series, Tom, took a little while to f- get the feel for the game. But I, on the third series of the game, the first uh, uh, touchdown scoring drive, that's when I thought it started to click. And the other thing I would say, Phil, that really um, uh, impressed me about uh how much more comfortable he looked is when they went up tempo. When they went up tempo, Brady looked very much uh, at ease. Definitely, and I, and I think you know, looking back on it now, you know, after he throws for, you know, he breaks the record for for three touchdown games in the postseason, another three hundred plus yard game for him. I look back at those first couple of series because you're right, he, he didn't look very good early on. I, I don't know if maybe we should just chalk that up to, you know, having two weeks off essentially and having the, to knock some rust off after the bye. Um, but you're right. Third series, different guy. And then I, I think it was that, I think it was the following series, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was their fourth series where they did go to the hurry up um, yes. and looked phenomenal, obviously. So um, again, I, I think uh, this week will be, will be a more significant challenge. Uh, they're not going to be able to, to put up. I don't think, up into the the mid or upper 30s the way they did um, against the Titans. I know the the Jaguars just gave up a a 40 spot to the Steelers, but I I don't think that's going to happen at Gillette Stadium. So the the challenge certainly stiffer uh, this coming week for sure. All right, other side of the ball, defense. Um, And I thought I loved your column on uh, rookies Dietrich Wise and Adam Butler. To me, it's, Phil, it's just remarkable how Bill Belichick finds rookies who are not overwhelmed by the big moment. Look, part of that is culture. We know that. Um, You and me know that. Everybody watches and follows the Patriots closely knows that. Part of it's the coaching, and part of it's the player makeup. But uh, your your big takeaways on uh, talking to Dietrich Wise and Adam Butler for that story. Yeah, it's a great point. Trags, when you mentioned the the player makeup, you know, you're, you're right. You know, the coaching obviously plays a huge part um, into how young players like that um, accept the moment and execute in the moment. But it takes a certain kind of player to be able to, to, to I guess, you know, find his best in those moments. And so far, at least, 
you know, late in the season, I think both of those guys, Dietrich Wise and Adam Butler, have really responded with the workloads they've been given. And I, I think part of that is is pure X's and O's. I think their their roles have been pretty well defined here late. It's amazing how um, they've been able to build depth along that defensive front as the season's gone on here. You know, even I would say midseason, even you know into the the later part of the season. When they were playing games, they, they had they had weeks where they were without Allen Branch, where they were without Trey Flowers, and you looked at that front and you said, you know, who who's going to be out there? You know, Kyle Van Noy was injured for parts at the end of the season. You know, you had Eric Lee that you were calling up from the the Bills practice squad to play, you know, starter level snaps on the edge. It was just a mess there up front. But now all of a sudden, we're just a few weeks later here. And it feels like you've got some really good depth there to the point where Alan Branch was was a healthy scratch, and you guys you get guys like Ricky Jean Francois who are um, contributing significant plays, um, and Adam Butler and Dietrich Wise, and and both of those guys I think have developed a lot of trust from the coaching staff because of the way they've taken the coaching, um, but because of who they are as people, and it allows them to do everything that they need to do off the field in terms of their preparation. You know, they're taking coaching from their coaches. Yeah. But they're also listening to the guys that are around them in that locker room, you know, the stalls next to them, whether it's Lawrence guy or it's Alan branch or it's Malcolm Brown, who's actually really close in age to those two rookies, but you know, obviously has a few years experience um, more than they do. And so they're both guys that I think are really open that really want to be very good NFL players. And so, and, and have been willing to do whatever they've needed to do to get there. And so that's why I say, you know, it's a good point by you to, to, to bring up the makeup that these guys have. And I think it's something that the Patriots have certainly struggled with um, at times. Um, but it's something that they do spend a lot of time on is, is okay. How is this guy going to buy in? How is he going to take coaching? You know, when we look at picks, you know, just going back that they've made uh, that have been really surprising, whether it's Devin McCourty in the first round or it's Rutgers guys in the, that nobody's heard of in the, in the third round in, in Harmon and Logan Ryan. Um, you know, even somebody like Jordan Richards, whose career hasn't panned out, obviously, and, and paid dividends the way you would want a second-round pick to. But the guy is great in the locker room by all accounts. He's smart. He does all the things that they want him to do. He's dependable in that he, he's there every day. He's available to them. He's willing to play multiple roles defensively on special teams. That's really important to them. And so, you know, they, they put so much value in that that they are willing to go above and beyond what other teams might be because of things like buy-in and things like character. So, of course, are there misses? Sure. I mean, you know, there's some, some very obvious ones. Aaron Hernandez being... Um, the most notable, but they do put so much time in that, that they feel like they can maybe get more from a player who maybe has B level talent, but is an A character guy, as opposed to the A talent guy who may not be quite as willing to buy into what is really a difficult culture and a really difficult place to play by a lot of accounts. 
Speaking with the extremely, extraordinarily well-informed Phil Perry, Patriots writer and reporter covering uh, New England's favorite football team for NBC Sports Boston. Listen up, Hoops fans. Basketball season is back, and now that your favorite hardwood heroes have returned to action, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part, you get to draft a new team each day. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing better? Winning cold, hard cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a 1000 bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play for free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Do not wait. Use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup and you can seriously cash in tonight. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Speaking again with Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston covering the Patriots. All right, uh, Phil, I asked uh, Bill on the conference call on Monday about the speed of the Jags defense, and he uh, mentioned the size. Uh Marcel Darius, uh, Malik Jackson, even the size of Jalen Ramsey, who has been uh, boldly going with no other uh, Jaguar would go this week, uh, predicting a win over uh, the New England Patriots on the road in the AFC title game. You asked, Bill, about the speed of their linebacking core and Miles Jack and Telvin Smith, who had a scoop and score on Sunday in Pittsburgh. So how do the Patriots go about attacking those that uh, defense? Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting because this is a defense that the Patriots have seen before. You know, you go back, you trace back the, the coordinator lineage, the coaching lineage. Um, you're going to be looking at some really, I would say, similar looks that you saw uh, when you played the Seahawks in the yep. Super Bowl after the 2014 season. Even some of what you you saw against the Falcons or what you expected to see against the Falcons. Remember that Super Bowl last year, what confused the Patriots was the fact that the Falcons came out and they played so much man-to-man. They were expecting a little bit more zone because this Jaguars team, like those others, is one of those cover three match, cover three zone um, clubs that really relies on its talent in the secondary to lock down on the outside and deep to allow the defenders at the second level, the linebackers, and obviously the guys up front to play really aggressively. And so, you know, it all works together in that you have a front where you can get pressure without blitzing, even though the Jaguars will blitz occasionally. Um, you can you can get to the quarterback relying on those guys, some of the guys you mentioned, whether it's Malik Jackson or Calais Campbell, defensive player of the year candidate. You get some speed on the outside and Yannick Ngakwe and Dante Fowler. Those guys want to get up the field. Um, and when they're able to do that and they're able to limit the amount of time that an opposing quarterback spends in the pocket, really all the quarterback then is left to do is to take the, the quick dump off that is usually available to him 
right, you know, between, I would say, five and seven yards beyond the line of scrimmage where, you know, their linebackers are typically dropping two. And that cover three, you've got your linebackers, you know, maybe five, you know, starting about five yards off the, off the line of scrimmage before the snap. And then they're really only dropping another, I don't know, maybe five to seven yards beyond that. And they're so fast that even if you dump it off over the middle, you know, those guys are closing and they're really good in terms of limiting yards after catch. So um, I think what you're hoping for, if you're the Patriots, is you're hoping to be able to stretch the field a little bit vertically to get not only those defensive backs, so, you know, those, those three deep defensive backs in the secondary to backpedal and to cover a lot of ground vertically, but you want to try to stretch those linebackers as deep as you can as well and so that even if all you have is the dump off, you know, that somebody like Deion Lewis or James White or maybe Rex Burkhead, if he gets back, that's somebody who not only, you know, will be able to take what's given to the Patriots um, in that underneath area that the linebackers have vacated, but those are guys who, if you get them in space, uh, you have, a, have an ability at least to make one guy miss and, and pick up more than whatever it is, the five or seven yards where he caught the football. So, uh, I think this could be a big, you know, this could be a big Deion Lewis game, could be a big James White game, could be a big Rob Gronkowski game. I mean, cover three, it's it's just too tough to try to, to match up with that guy, whether he's running down the seam um, or you could line him up outside. You remember in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, you know, it's a cover three team, but they will show what looks like, you know, straight man at times. If you can overload one side of the field with receivers and all the corners end up over there, and then you put Rob Gronkowski on the opposite side. What happened against the Seahawks? They end up getting KJ Wright one on one with Rob Gronkowski, and he runs down the field for a pretty easy touchdown. So I'm looking at this as a big tight end, big receiver game. I mean, again, in that Seahawks game, remember Shane Vereen had a huge game, and obviously last year it was James White against the Falcons, who had you know just monster numbers. Um, those are the guys that I think the Patriots are going to be relying on offensively this week. You know, I forgot about Shane Vereen's uh, effort against the Seahawks in Super Bowl Forty Nine till you mentioned it, but it's very true. And, um, you know, all of that being said, you know, the, the possibility for guys like James White, Deion Lewis, um, whoever else in that backfield, Rex Burkhead, you know, there's a story now that uh, Rex Burkhead is probably going to be available for the game on Sunday afternoon. That would also be uh, possibly another way for Tom Brady to go. But I say all that, and then I'm, I'm watching the Jaguars game. I don't know if you felt the same way. When Ben Roethlisberger was uh, connecting on all of those touchdown passes, especially the one at the end of the first half, you're thinking to yourself, wow, these receivers are getting behind the Jacksonville secondary like at will. Aren't you thinking right. that Tom's watching that going, oh, my God, if if they can do that, can't Brandon Cooks get behind them? So it's a, it's a great point, and I think they will have to at least try some shots down the field tracks, again, because you want to stretch these guys as far as possible to open up some of those spaces between right. the linebacker level of the defensive line and the secondary and the linebacker level. So you have to keep them honest with some shots down the field. And so I do think they'll try it. And, you know, another thing about this cover three is one of the best, you know, one of the best route combinations to run against that is all verticals. Because if you send four receivers deep, just straight down the field, and you only have three defensive backs deep to cover those guys, you're really putting a lot of stress 
on one of those defensive backs, whether it's the safety in the middle um, or, or either corner on the outside. So I do think you'll, you'll see the Patriots do that a little bit, especially early, but they're built differently than the Steelers are. The Steelers are really built to go deep down the field with Bryant, Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. They have all kinds of options in that regard. And the Patriots, they do have Rob Gronkowski. You could use him in that fashion when you need to. Uh, they obviously have Brandon Cooks. Outside of that, I know Chris Hogan has done it before. I, I'm wondering you know, how much Chris Hogan needs to play and, and how many footballs he needs to see before he's fully knocked the rust off because he still didn't quite look like himself uh, in that divisional round. So I don't know if the Patriots have just the the proper number of vertical threats to be able to stress the Jaguars the way the Steelers did. All right. Uh, let's get on to real quickly, uh, Jalen Ramsey, the, the whole, um, I uh, love this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he is, uh, he was a great player out of Florida state, uh, second year out of Florida state, uh, made the adjustment to the NFL last year. Everybody knew he was a sensational talent. He's six foot one. He is a tall, tall drink of water as a cornerback. Um, Matthew Slater's quote is the quote of the week uh, in the clubhouse so far, right? Uh, the good Lord made that guy and said, let there be corner, and there he is. Um, Brady has faced great corners before, right? Uh, but why are Ramsey and second-team uh, all-pro corner A.J. Bouye such special talents, Phil? They're just, I mean, the, first of all, it starts with the physical skill set. And you mentioned Ramsey's size. I mean, this guy is one of the freakiest athletes to ever set foot in Indianapolis for the NFL scouting combine. When he came out of college, everyone knew he played a premier position and he was far and away the number one guy at that position. So you knew he was going to be a top pick. But then he went to the combine and he totally blew the thing up, almost in a similar way to what Jamie Collins did a few years ago at the linebacker position and just combining that, that size and athleticism. Ramsey, obviously, at a different spot, but just as jaw-dropping uh, a physical talent. And so that just totally locked him in to being one of the top picks in the draft that year. But that, that's where you start. I, I think you also have to take a look at just the aggressive mindset that he has. And I, I said, you know, I love this guy because I just, he's already, I mean, Trey, he's in his second year. He's, he's got to be one of the best trash talkers in the league. I know AJ <laughs> Green, AJ, yeah, you know, AJ Green right is your mouth. guy. I know that, you know, you're following those Bengals closely, but what he did to AJ Green on the field was one thing. What he did after the game in the locker room, calling it easy, telling, tell, he said he told AJ Green his time's almost up. You know, uh, he, he totally erased him, and he and then he went and talked the talk after the fact too. Basically, he had his feet kicked up in the locker room, sitting in the back of a you know, sitting in a, yeah. uh, a recliner chair, you know, just holding court with reporters. I mean, I, I love it. I love the confidence. I love the aggressiveness um, that you know he he takes with him onto the field, and I think the scheme helps him too because when you're playing that cover three, you know, it, whether you're matching or not you know, your, your responsibilities are pretty easy. It's you either got the deep third of the field until you know you have to bail and you can aggressively put your foot in the ground, come up and make a hit or make a play on the football. Or if you're matching, it's essentially man-to-man and you've got the guy across from you and, you know, you're going you're gonna to trace him all over the field. And that's what Stephon Gilmore loves to do. It's what Malcolm Butler loves to do. These guys are competitive, alpha dog, 
type of corners, and that's that's what R- Jalen Ramsey fits to a T. And I think AJ Bouye sort of has that that same mindset. Um, the physical skill set isn't quite what Ramsey's is in terms of uh, just being able to to have that size and be able to kind of impose his will physically on opposing receivers. But another incredibly talented, athletic guy. We saw that with the Texans last year. We'll see it again this year with the Patriots. This will not be a big Brandon Cooks game. This will not be a big Chris Hogan game, in my opinion. Maybe Danny Amendola can can get open on some of those over routes. Maybe he's the guy who's finding some of those openings between the uh, between the the DBs and the linebackers um, this week in this game. But if you're thinking that you know this is the week where Cooks kind of gets off the schneid a little bit after what I thought was was kind of a a down game for him, in all honesty, and not kind of. I mean, it, it was a down game, really, no matter how you look at it. Um, yeah, this isn't going to be the week. He might have to wait till the Super Bowl for that. Matt, Patricia, Josh McDaniels, potential for distraction. Look, I don't think there really is potential for the distraction, Phil, only because that's just never been the M.O. of the Patriots to get distracted. And obviously, I would point out the 2004 team wasn't distracted when Romeo, everybody and their brother knew that Romeo Cornell was leaving for the Chiefs. Charlie Weiss was off to Notre Dame. They won their second straight Super Bowl, third in four years. They just so happened to beat the Eagles in that title game. Phil, wouldn't it be ironic if they wound up playing the Eagles again in the Super Bowl? It really would be, and it would just be, I mean, it would just be such a riot. You know, I know the uh, the tomato can talk has, has dominated, you know, not only headlines, but the airwaves. We've done it on our station here. Um, but it, imagine that if you if you had to go through the Titans and then Blake Bortles and the Jaguars and then Nick Foles and the Eagles to win your sixth Super Bowl. Uh, I thought Tom Curran actually, you know, one of those columns that, you know, he's been on a roll lately with the columns, but uh, he did a, a really good one in terms of how, you know, people really aren't going to remember who the Patriots had to go through to get this Super Bowl. Um, but if they ever did, and that, if ever that, if that was the road, if that ended up being right. the road, that, no, of course not. But if you ever looked back on it, you would say, man, that had to have been the easiest road of, of all six. Um, based on you know what you know now and what you know about these quarterbacks, but yeah, and when it comes to the co- the uh, coordinator strikes, I agree with you. Like it's just a, I don't think it's it's in um, you know it's built into the the fabric of the Patriots for for guys to get distracted. Like it just it really can't happen in a lot of ways the way that they have this thing set up with Belichick and with you know how involved the coordinators are um, when it comes to game planning. They have work to do, and you know if if they're busy thinking about what they're going to be doing with the Colts or what they're going to be doing with the Lions moving forward, it, that's I think quickly going to be snuffed out by their boss, who is on top of everything, and you know who knows how much work you're putting in, and will call you out if if you're not. And so I don't think it even gets to that point. And the rules help these guys out to some extent too. I mean, there's there's really nothing that they can do at this point to I mean, first of all, it sounds like they're locks for their respective jobs, right? But there's right. there's nothing they can do to improve their candidacy at this point. They're not putting together a binder about what they do with Andrew Luck or how they run the defense, uh, you know, and let Jim Bob Cooter run the offense in Detroit. Like all that stuff is over now, and so they really can, you know, if it if it was if they were ever distracted from their Patriots duties, it was during that bye week before the divisional round. And then I think, you know, as soon as, as that came and went, 
you know, you have to, when you're coaching for the Patriots and these guys have both been doing it for a long time here, you have to learn how to move on to whatever task is next. And so a couple of weeks ago, that was the Titans. Now it's the Jaguars. And even though there is news that's come out about how these guys are, are, you know, essentially locks for these positions. Um, I really, I don't think that's going to impact their preparation at all. Although I will say one thing that, that is worth watching for Patriots fans and who knows when we'll find this out is how do these guys, how does the fact that these guys are moving on impact the rest of the staff? And when I say that, I mean, who might be going with them? You know, who, who from the offensive side ends up with McDaniels in Indy? Um, you know, who on the defensive side ends up with Patricia in Detroit to make that the, you know, the Patriots Midwest, which it already is and would only be, you know, more so after this. That that part is interesting for me to follow because there there's no clear-cut succession plan for either of these guys right now. We think it's Chad O'Shea for the offense. We think it's Brian Flores for the defense. But who's to say that those guys are around? Right. So, you know, it, it could be a serious, you know, brain drain, quote-unquote, for, for Bill Belichick to have to deal with after the season. Well, we'll – get to that uh, first of all uh, the season may have two more games left in it so people listening to this are going okay i'm about ready to make my plane reservations maybe i'll try to make it early <laughs> they want a guarantee yeah. win for the patriots from phil perry can you deliver man i won't guarantee it tregs i will not you're a smart but man i will say this i will say this um I do not see the Jaguars offense putting together more than one scoring drive against this Patriots defense. Um, I also would say that the only chance the Jaguars have of keeping it close is by turning the Patriots over. And I think the Patriots know that. And while Tom Brady got a little bit loose with the football late in that season, when it comes to the interception numbers, that will not be the case this week against the Jaguars. He knows that the fate of their season rests in his hands. And so I think you'll see him um, maybe be a little bit conservative with the football in all honesty, because that is the only shot that they have of even keeping this thing close. So to me, it's a pretty easy prediction. Things can go crazy. Things can get weird. You know, blueprint to beat the Patriots is, is play tight coverage and get after the quarterback with four. And the Jaguars can do that on paper. But I think the Patriots have seen this kind of defense. Um, they've seen talented defenses. They've seen fast defenses in the recent past. And they've eventually figured those out. It hasn't always been pretty, uh, but they have eventually figured them out. And I think that will, again, be the case this weekend. So so right now, it's very early, tracks, but I'm going to give you my first score prediction of the week. Oh. And this may change. Don't hold me to it. Okay. But I'm going to go Patriots 23, Jaguars 3 in the AFC Championship game. Patriots going to Minnesota. I'm going to go with a repeat, uh, plus three points. So repeat, what do I mean by repeat? Uh, the Patriots beat the Jaguars 20-6 to in the 1996 AFC title game. I think it's going to be 23-6 Patriots this oh, time. Oh, wow. That's what we I. We're right there. Yeah. Great I, minds, I, man. We're right on the same page with I this one. I just don't see the the Jaguars moving the ball and uh we'll find out what happens on Sunday but it would boggle my mind if if the Jaguars were able to score north of 17 points which is what everybody and their brother would think 
they're going to need to score to beat Tom Brady and company. Phil, you were tremendous, and I just want to get this shout in. Stay with CLNS all day on game day. That would be Championship Sunday this Sunday afternoon, starting with the CLNS Media New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth. That's a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Ezon and Mike Molino live after every single game on clnsmedia.com. Subscribe to both on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube now. Also get daily team updates on the Patriots Newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau. That's also available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show feed. Available once again on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots Beat. We want to once again thank our guest, Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston. Phil, tell people how they can follow you one more time. You can follow me at Twitter. I'm at Phil A. Perry. Instagram, the same way, at Phil A. Perry. And um, be sure to just catch us on air. I mean, we're going to be absolutely um, inundating Trags, people with Patriots coverage throughout the week. Uh, we had quick slants on Tuesday night. We got Patriots Wednesday tomorrow, 6 o'clock on NBC Sports Boston. You got your tailgate. That's at 6 o'clock on Thursday. And then the football fix. Is it 6 o'clock on Friday? We've got all kinds of pregame and postgame coverage to get you uh, ready for the game and then to break it all down after it happens on Sunday. So you can find all of that on NBC Sports Boston and all of our written work, of course, on NBCSportsBoston.com. That is tremendous. We have just inundated our audience with plenty of of Patriots options uh, for everyone to follow following um, the Jacksonville Jaguars Patriots AFC title game. Uh, Be sure to hit up all of it, uh, both at NBC Sports Boston and, of course, our uh, sourcing at CLNS Media. You can also give my own personal account a follow at TRAGS, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor was DraftKings. For Patriots content manager Michael Angi, CLNS Media Executive Producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, calling at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher, and the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere.